Hello and welcome to episode 4 of Into the Van. I'm going to keep this short and sweet because today's guest is John Slater. He's one of my best friends. I've known him since high school. He is one of the co-founders along with myself for Cog Life Comics. He is probably the most comics orientated and comics creative person out of my friend group. So he's been making this new book that he's going to be bringing out soon. And I wanted to talk to him about it, talk about the comic scene, talk about films. Because one of the best things about John is we've just been chatting about comics and films and TV shows since we were kids. So it's about time we put an episode down. He's a really interesting guy. We go through his setup for making comics, self-publishing, and all the kinds of ins and outs of creating your own thing. This can apply to music. We talk about the creative process behind songwriting and comic book writing. This can apply to whatever you want it to. So I really hope you enjoy this conversation with John. We ramble for a bit. Well, we don't ramble. We talk about a lot of things and we go over the... I try to keep every podcast to an hour, hour and ten, maybe. This goes up to an hour and a half, so this intro is short and sweet. We talk about ghosts, serial killers, westerns, comic books, Dungeons and Dragons, and a ton of other things in between. We talked about so much and we didn't even talk about some other things that we wanted to talk about either. So there's definitely going to be a part two with John sometime in the future. Today's episode is, of course, brought to you by me, Mike West. My new record, The Next Life, is still available for pre-order. I'm going to drop a teaser here. Mike333west.com forward slash store. Test presents are getting made as we speak, and I'm so excited to get it into the hands of everyone who pre orders, and I really hope you dig it. Episode 4 is with the incredible John Slater. I've, this chat was so much fun, it could have gone on for hours upon hours, as it has done uh, many a time in our living rooms and just at comic conventions and things. I always have a laugh with John, and I really hope you enjoy this too. Because of the COVID pandemic. This is the first episode not to be recorded in the van. We did this through Zoom, so all social distancing measures were kept to the letter as they should be. I really hope you're keeping safe out there and let's enjoy this brand new episode of Into the Van with Mike West and my good friend John Slater. Welcome to Into the Van with me, Mike West. Go! Remember where you did that? Oh, what was it called? The um, art exhibition in Liverpool. Um, oh, the Copper's Hill, the old sorting office. Yeah, the sorting office. That place that was that was so haunted. Yeah. That was so haunted. 
I remember there was that room and had zero windows and for some reason whatever asshole designed the electricity had put the light switch on the other side of the room. Yeah, man. I remember helping you like shut the place down oh. and switch that light off and you had to walk through the lit room, switch it off and then be in pitch black and walk backwards. There were, I could feel every demon behind yeah, me. Yeah, I, I remember um, opening up and you could just hear like the static pops of all the... Um, <sighs> the art installations and it was just absolutely horrible and um it didn't help that the um we'd had some like post uh, ex post guys who work there like mm. come in and tell us ghost stories like there was one he was in a lift and he had his like ankles grabbed what? um it, i think in that room that you mentioned um mm. was that the one where um there was kind of like a side office to it as well. Yeah, it was a weird, like it, the room was all painted black, black carpet. Yeah. And there was like a weird little office side room. That's in the it. one, yeah. Yeah, well, some um, some kids on a school trip there, they went into that side office and it just shut behind them. Well, apparently, mm. one of the um, post guys, they said that ages and ages ago, maybe in like the 80s or something, um, they, like some guys had a, had a fight because they woke woke him up or something because he used to sleep in there. Mm. Um, one guy decked the other and just killed him. Bloody hell. So that it's all it's, it's definitely fun. haunted, but it's um it's been made into an LJMU library now. Oh is it? Yeah. Oh cool. Because it was a nice building that it'd be a waste to just like Yeah, yeah. Um we we got up on the roof as well. Uh, while mm. we were up there it was it was it was a really cool place to work. Yeah. Yeah. There's a few places, man, I've played in. Um, I can't remember where it was, but I played a gig in this dead old hotel, and I played in the basement, and there was this weird fireplace in front of, like, the lobby, because it was a yeah. bar and a, like, pub, but it was also, like, an old hotel. It was, like, a dead ye oldy place. It was one of those yeah. old-style cottage hotel bars. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. Um, there was this dead, ornate fireplace, and I just looked at it and went, that's defo haunted. <laughs> Got and, the like, vibe. Yeah, Siobhan was with us, so she <laughs> laughed. And then the woman who was behind the desk. You can tell when someone wants to tell you a ghost story. Yeah. Because <laughs> I just ever. pointed. Who's, got, and was who's like, got it? Yeah. I was like, that's never <laughs> wanted. And I just heard the woman behind me go, it really is, you know. And I turned around and was like. <laughs> just someone in a rocking chair in the yeah. corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With a long, like, creepy fingernails. Just yeah. <laughs> I was like, tell me everything, hotel woman. Because I'd like a half hour to kill before my gig. I was like, tell yeah. me your ghost stories. And she told us about, like these women like this woman ghost that was like traveling around the hotel yeah people out and apparently the toilets were the most haunted place in the hotel oh that's the worst place to get haunted. that's the most like, horrific place to be haunted and it's also the place i go the most when i'm about to do a full <laughs> i piss about six times before i do a show so i went in and it was a creepy ass toilet even if i hadn't known the ghost stories i would have been like this place is haunted. this is haunted <laughs> but it was so creepy and um, when i was on tour with Samoa the other year we stayed in the place that Winston Churchill stayed in apparently this weird little like village down south mm. and that was a really weird hotel I was definitely haunted but the thing is I don't believe in ghosts but I don't want to fuck around enough to find out that well that that's the that's the thing man and I always get laughed at from work for saying this but like if you really want to see a ghost you won't see one yeah but if you don't want to see a ghost then it'll happen yeah, that's why I think, man, and it's there's too much unexplained shit in the world that there's definitely like it's not. I don't know if it's spirits, but when so, 
like, when the hairs on the back of my neck stand up, I know to fucking get out of dodge. Yeah, man. Like it, it's like like I was saying, it's the vibe. Yeah, it's, it's the, the vibe, vibe of somewhere, and it's yeah, we could talk about ghosts for uh, yeah, because I, I until I we're ghosts ourselves. I was reading a thing about um, do you know how like animals have like it's almost like a sense to just get out of danger, like they know something's happening. Yeah. There's a thing where we still have that sense. Yeah. Because we live in such like a safe society and a safe environment. We don't we really don't li- we don't listen to it. But it's not even we don't listen to it, we just have no real use for it. So it's when slowly things start like happening. So that's why when you feel like you're being watched, if you look around, someone can be staring at you. It's mm. still that sense of um perception and danger that we had from like when we were cavemen when we were cavemen and it's still around man so i think something definitely triggers it every now and then but it's yeah it's like when you meet someone a bit a bit off and you're mm. like oh can't can't really place it it's like yeah. that um it's like the women who survived bundy mm. you know they, yeah. they were like something was a bit off but you know he was he was good looking so yeah <laughs> <laughs> was he good looking have you seen a uh, jim norman's well, got a stand-up Nah, nah, I haven't seen that. There's a, on Netflix, there's a Degenerates stand-up series, and it's like half-hour, 20-minute segments from different comedians, and Jim Norton does this whole bit on Ted Bundy, and mm. it's fucking hilarious, because he just yeah. tears apart like Ted Bundy, man. I don't want to like go into it. I'll <laughs> tell you off the podcast. Like, sure. But it's so funny, and it tears apart what everyone always says about how handsome and intelligent he was. I think, I think for... Um... Like, was it, I'm, I'm going to get shouted out by Danielle for this, but was it the 70s? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I think for a 70s man, because he was groomed. Yeah, because like he washed had, himself. Because he washed himself. People were like, ooh. That's the thing is, yeah. the standards of dead low man, and like, I'm going to paraphrase, but Jim Norton's like, he was handsome for that pool of people. That, yeah, that's and it. And Jim Norton says like, I may be a four, but I never hit you in the head with a hammer before I fucked you. <laughs> so, like, that surely says something. Yeah. But he tears Ted Bundy for, like, 15, 20 minutes, man, because of it came out around the same time as the Ted Bundy tapes. Oh, yeah. Like the documentary. I was, I was going to say, all I think of now is Zac Efron. Oh, that, that was but, a good film, though. Yeah, I enjoyed that, man. It was good. Mm. Like, I don't know. Um, I think... For a film saying it was like you know it was concentrated on a, a Lily Collins's character's yeah. story, it didn't really focus on that too much, and be, she came. I felt she became a bit one note yeah. towards the end. But like Zac Efron's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, he was really good. And in she it. was as well. But like yeah. I think the writing let her down. Yeah, and Papa Hatfield was in it for a bit. He was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are a few. Have you seen him, um, My Friend Dharma? Yes, that's I, a good film. I prefer that to the um, the Bundy film. Yeah, same. It was really interesting yeah. to take that and it's be- that's based off a comic as well, isn't it? it yeah, I was just gonna say, and um, it was it's interesting to see like because it stops spoilers to anyone who hasn't seen it, but it stops just before he like you know yeah it has stops his first after victim, first kill yeah yeah, yeah which really is, interesting which... yeah I really enjoyed that. Yeah. It's quite sad as well because like, I feel with with Dharma. If he just got the help he obviously needed, it it could have been prevented. And there's I think, a lot, of, yeah. a lot of I think serial killers and like mass murderers and mass shootings and stuff, it all can be traced. If they got the help they needed, it wouldn't have happened. 
which yeah. is what, like probably the tragic thing about him why there's so many things about serial killers it's not just about the hero worship but i hope people if they do watch it they take away that if they see a weird kid they aren't an asshole to him because it's yeah. not just to prevent serial killers it's to be a better human being and even if they aren't oh, yeah. gonna kill anyone it's just to be nice and i think that's one of the things that like i try and take away from the serial killer documentaries is you know one like one bad day and one negative comment if someone can just push them over an edge. Yeah. And if it's just like, it's again, it's just the, especially with, because serial killers are predominantly American. It's just a failure of the state, isn't it? And the yeah. welfare and everything. Definitely. But we could also get into that argument. Um, like I've always got to play devil's advocate, but it, they could just be born like that. It might just be like that. There is, the, <laughs> there is I mean? the nature versus nature thing, but if they are born like that, the more protocols and things should be put in place to help with them. Yeah, because if you have I can people see that, yeah. with living carers and things, it's again, it's some sort of, and obviously not to defend and dismiss serial killers for their actions. Yeah, but it's kind of like you have to not handhold them, but if someone was there to help them through it, as in a living carer was with someone, like if someone else has like a health condition or a disability or whatever mm. someone would be there on hand to help them and it's just yeah. again it's just and they didn't get the help they needed at the time and ask yeah and you know they, they could just say oh i'm thinking of, of killing someone or of you know set yeah. fire to something or you know yeah because yeah, there's all those measures that could be put in place then because yeah. it's almost exclusively they come from broken homes and abusive things it's a like, yeah almost all the time yeah yeah it's a shame yeah. It, it is it is a shame yeah. <laughs> but it, it does make more good, than a shame but <laughs> yeah, it, it is a fucking tragedy <laughs> but it makes good documentaries yeah so thanks yeah. <laughs> thanks for the documentary thanks yeah it was all, <laughs> almost worth it yeah <laughs> but how are you getting on man how's your uh, comic coming along yeah man it's um it fi- finished the line work the other day mm. Um, so just start on the colours, which I've no experience in yeah. at all. But thanks to the wealth mm. of um, you know resource on the internet, yeah. muddling by, muddling by. So what um, is your setup for creating comics? Like, what is your digital? Because you do it digitally now, don't you? Yeah, yeah. So what's your setup for creating a comic? Um, do you mean like program I use or uh, programs and literally like? the software and stuff how i live yeah um to i mean first of all two screens saved me life Mm because first like i used to have like a little reference on my phone i have to constantly you know refresh that like peering into the phone be like oh it's a but now that you know just a bigger phone isn't it Mm -hmm. a pc um so it's it's that on clip studio which i really recommend for it for anyone, um, especially people getting into comics, mm. um, it's it's dead cheap on sale. Don't buy it full price. That's a that's a pro tip from a non <laughs> non professional, because um, it's always on sale. Like it's about twenty five quid. Um, and yeah, get yourself a cheap cheap graphics tablet mm. and just get going. Sick. Yeah. So, so, so with the so you've done like with. Because obviously with the traditional comic book, you've got the Bristol board, you do yeah. the pencils and things first, and then you ink it. Do you still kind of do that, or do you go straight to like inks? Um, it, it's, it's, basically, it's basically the same kind of workflow. Um, mm. 
so you you, you know you you rough a, a rough out the earth on nails like physically mm. first um just because like it's a more Im- immediate way of yeah. getting your ideas down from your your heads to pencils mm. well fr- looking at the scripts to the page um then look at that i kind of transfer them onto onto digital by drawing them again mm. but with a, with a bit more detail because it's literally just thick figures and just pa- like you know finding out the flow of the page and stuff mm. like that um so go going going from those rough pencils um going to a more defined pencils of um you know facial features mm. and details and stuff and then finally the inks cool um but it's it's so much quicker for me anyway um, i can imagine yeah because i make so many mistakes you just hit control z and then you know it's as if it never happens yeah. and you know you can resize stuff and, and all that yeah that's the same man it. like digital art is so much easier and it's yeah. just you can chain things out so quick i I'm a traditionalist in the sense of that just because I collect like because I collect original art and stuff. So that, I, that's I, the only downside, yeah. man. I wish I could like share like, oh, these are these are this is what it looked like before. Yeah. Before the colours. So now it's just like, oh, I hide that layer of the flats. It is the mm. inks. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not as um doesn't have the same like wow factor as pulling out like a portfolio. Yeah. But so um so, I, so helpful. Sorry, though. keep it jumping on your throat, yeah. No, that's cool, man. Um, but it just seems so much more helpful, especially for because original art, obviously, you like not to you don't have to be an established artist to sell them and to display them, but it helps us. But I think for digital, especially for upcoming artists, it makes more sense to just work digitally. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, just for getting the fundamentals, I'm still traditional. Like I love, mm. like I've been going to life draw it well before the lockdown. Yeah. Um. I've been going to like drawing classes with Deck, and they've they just like, especially if you're drawing comics, you're drawing people like every panel, yeah, essentially. So it just helps your art come on leaps and bounds. Mm. And um, that you can't unless you bring like an iPad with you, you can't do that. They just no. don't really. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just practice. And like we've how long have we been doing this now? We I think we put our isolation about was that twenty seventeen? Yeah, it was twenty seventeen. Yeah, but um, I wouldn't say I've come on leaps and bounds, but you can see definite improvement from isolation to my new comic. Yeah, I think that's I, I, from just like from what I've seen of your artwork from even back in like high school and stuff to now, mm. like you can see the evolution of the artist, which is really cool. Yeah. I think it's dead interesting. It's more, I always kind of see, do you know like the artists who do the pinups and they do the single image? figures yeah. that are amazing they mm. are incredible but for me a true sign of an artist's strength and it's true sign of an artist's skill is when you see someone actually panel a comic because you can be it's... a phenomenal like artist as in a single image single pose this is this yeah but to show the legibility and readability of a comic to me should speak so much more volumes to the person's talent yeah i, think I mean the, the two um the two different skills really yeah um because I've 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 just finished the pinup myself, and it's 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 a whole different ball game trying mm-hmm. to like get that composition down in a single image, and like you don't until you like actually do it, you don't don't see it, and I think you know you would notice it if the person doing the pinup wasn't mm. like 
good. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like like you said, paneling and like telling a story through still images. Mm. That it, yeah, again, that's a different skill in itself. Mm. And I think that's where I've seen you grow in strength as well, because I really enjoy your storytelling because it's it's not how am I it's not the mundane, but it's taking the mundane and exaggerating it, which I really like about your work. Oh, so cheers, man. Like with the isolation stuff where it was the guy getting the Amazon package delivered. Yeah. And then it's just taking those mundane activities and then skewing mm. it. So this one is about an office. It's a dystopian future, isn't it? Um, yeah, S- Semi, it's kind of like dystopian in the way Luger runs dystopian. Mm. So like, you know, it, it, seem, it seems all right, but like, when you really get surface. down yeah. under the surface, it's a bit. Hang on a minute. It, I mean, I, I started writing it before, before the lockdown, but <laughs> I can already see some things going on, mm. which isn't great. But yeah, it's about um, an office administrator for this dystopian regime, essentially. And he he gets caught up in something he, you know, would rather not get caught up in mm. through his own. Um, through his own mistakes, really, yeah. and his own sloppiness, mm. which are, we're all we're all we're all guilty of making mistakes. Yeah, um, which we were talking about before off off air, but you know, um, this has some repercussions. Yeah, that's it's good, man, and what that's what again why I like yours is you take what seems like an ordinary premise, and it seems to be. Because it's societal commentary, but it's not just—it's not in your face, which I hate. I, I don't hate it when it's like gl- like when it's glaringly obvious. I like the more subversive stuff where it's like office space, shit like that, and that's yeah. what you do really well. And I think that speaks to society because a lot of people are just in com- complicit in maintaining the status quo. Because yeah, as long as yeah, fine. And it's—I like art that highlights that complicity, which I think mm. I'm really looking forward to reading this because I think that's going to be. Yeah. Oh, thanks, man. Um, I'm I'm excited to um to get it out because because you know, unironically, I'm in the nine to five mm. anyway in an office in an office job. Like it, it's it's taken me a while to to get out, especially like when you're trying to you try for me anyway. Try not to treat it as a job because yeah. that's when I that's when I start to burn out. Mm. Um, so it. Before lockdown, it was it was steady. It was not steady going. It was slow going. But mm. <laughs> since we since we've you know entered house arrest essentially, <laughs> <laughs> um, I've just been I've I've cranked out those pages mm. um, onto the colours. So I'm I'm hoping uh, by September October it'll be be done. Nice. But yeah. that's because I'm doing everything myself. Mm. Yeah, that's a big I'm, thing for comics. Yeah, because I'm I'm poor. I know yeah. I know like I, the, there's phenomenal letters out there in the small press scene, um, but I can't I can't afford them at the moment, unfortunately. No, but it's also it's just then another uh, bow in your like Arsenal. It's another thing yeah in your cap to do, and even if it's not to the standard, obviously that like uh, established letter would be. It's still as long as it's legible, it's readable, and it gets the point across. I think that's always the most important thing. That definitely, yeah, and that's what I think stops a lot of comic book people because when we've been tabling at conventions, people go, "Oh, I want to do this," and do it, 
yeah people i mean worry I'm... about the standard that they should be at and they look at the big two like marvel and dc and they think that that needs to be what they need to put out and it's not in any way shape or form absolutely man and i remember being in the, the same position remember when we were going to um like london super comic con mm. for the first year and stuff and like the the artist ali it was it was kind of a mix then wasn't it, it was yeah. with like the professionals but also the small press people but like I didn't even know the difference then. And I'd go up to the small press people and be like, oh, how'd you even get started? And mm. they said the same thing we're saying now. They were like, just do it. Yeah. Just, just get it done. And, I, and like, I couldn't get my head around that. Like, you could publish something yourself. Yeah. It's, it's, it's mad, especially, like, we're, we're so lucky to be in the time we are now. Like, there's so much stuff you can do yourself. Like, you with your music, it's mm. entirely self-published. And, like it blew me mind when you were like, "Oh, I'm putting out vinyl for it," <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like you can do vinyl yourself now as well. Yeah, man, that's the thing. Every medium now is completely accessible to amateur people. Like the vinyl, you know, you do have to have a fair bit of money to throw behind it. Or oh yeah, I mean, that. it's yeah. Based, you can create whatever you want with the budget you want. But if you have a better budget, the finished product will probably be better. But there are yeah. affordable ways to create things. Oh, definitely, man. And I think, I think the key thing is having the drive to do it, see something through to the end, mm. and just, yeah, just getting getting creative and not not being so worried about the the end result because that that's something I have to put into the back of my mind quite a lot. Is like mm. this doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah, and like I'm I'm sad that it isn't perfect, and I'm mm. sad. Like, you know, I still can't draw hands. I am working on that. <laughs> um, but, you know, this hand looks a bit off. I also blame, you can see, you can see it on webcam, me skeletal hands. You'll, you'll notice that <laughs> in, the, in the comic because I'm just like looking at, oh, my camera's froze now. Even though it, this isn't a, a visual medium. It, um, it froze on your bony hand. which It is froze on my bo- bony hand, yeah, which was terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, all... All my hands look like everyone's a skeleton. Yeah, bending <laughs> hands. Yeah, man. <laughs> that's being pulled up. That's a thing, and I try to explain this to musicians and stuff as well when they're trying to create stuff. And I think the reason I churn stuff out and finish projects is because I know to, I'll never achieve perfection. So I know that what I'm going to achieve is the best I can do at that point in time. That, yeah and that's how i always view things as like this was the best like so rusted it was like me and three mics that was the best i could do at this time the mm. next life that's the best i can do at this time because i've got a bit more money behind me i've got some more fans that'll pre-order so yeah make a bigger thing with the comics it's like that was the best i could do with my artistic ability at that time yeah survivor this was the best i could do because i've learned from that one and that's yeah. it's perfect for the time it's in and that's how i always try and view projects yeah, man. And um, I mean, we've been talking a lot about the art, but like it's the writing as well. Mm. I can see an improvement mm. as well. So I'm going to I'm gonna do a bit of a spin now. How, how do you take your approach to writing? Um, the right, to writing songs, writing comics, you know. So for writing songs, it's more um, impulsive and it's a lot more, like it tends to be, I'll just be playing my guitar jamming because I don't really practice and I don't really do anything to improve on guitar. I'm like, <laughs> very, very modest of you, mate. I, re- I really can't be honest. I just don't enjoy practicing. 
and I just I just don't enjoy it, so I don't do it. I mean, it. Pra- practice by doing, isn't it? Yeah. So, because yeah. I used to sit down and like when I was in university, I had a guitar teacher that I hated because I just, <laughs> I just don't like sitting down to practice. I, yeah. Then I could play Crazy Train and Mr. Crowley, including all the solos. I can't remember a mm. note now, but I don't enjoy that type of sit down practicing because I don't want to be the best guitarist I can be. I want mm. to just be my guitarist. Yeah. I've found as I've been writing songs, I've been playing, I've become a better guitarist with chord progressions and things. Yeah. It's, I sit down. And I even I'll start like learning a song I like and just stop going through their chords. And then the second I hit the second or third chord of that song, I go, ooh, that might be good as a song for me. And yeah. <laughs> rearrange the chords and fuck around with it for a bit. And that, that's it, man. Like, if you pull out any of my songs, I could probably tell you what song I was originally meant to play. <laughs> <laughs> it's that, um, it's, I mean, I was listening to him. Um, a Blink 182 podcast, mm. and they were talking about the um, the golden chord progression, and they couldn't remember what it was called either. Yeah, but the, you can hear those progressions like in a lot of songs. Like I was yeah. listening to uh, Adolescence the other day as well, and like that, you know, they're they're all quite similar as well. Yeah, do you know what? You've only got a set amount of notes in like Western music, so eventually you're just going to start spinning the same things with the same chord progressions but i always view it as long as i'm tr- i'm doing it sincerely i don't really care as long well, that, as that, that's people, it it's so that's it's what, your own voice isn't yeah. it and so that's the the music part of it is just me fucking around on a guitar until something sounds nice yeah and then i'll kind of freestyle over it mm. and just see like do I'll, a rap basically yeah i just won't do any i won't go in with a specific theme or anything i'll just see what the first words i say come out and then yeah. whatever that first line is, I'll kind of work my way through it. Because I sometimes I write down lyrics and I'll have poems and things and they'll sit in books for four, five, six years until yeah. the right song comes along and then I'll do it. It's very rarely lyrics first. Yeah. Oh, right. I'll, so I'll that's have, interesting. I'll have lyrics written, but then to try and fit music over them doesn't really make sense. So Yeah, I'm, I can never get my head around that. Yeah. So it's, what uh, I normally yeah. do is I'll do the music first and then I'll see what comes out in terms of lyrics and songs that way. And normally my main lyric prompt and writing process is I'll write one line and I'll just scribble it down somewhere and it'll just be an interesting thought or an interesting premise I like the idea of or it's a rhyme I like. It's like in a a way I go, I remember you saying like you had that first line in your head and that kind of spawned the song. Yeah. Yeah, so that was then I just like grabbed my guitar and it was just like what came out of that. And I think it was literally I picked because it's on the second, like the capo's on the second fret. And I literally think I just picked up my guitar and that was the capo it was on. It was still there. <laughs> so it was like, I am I, not, I don't put that much thought into it. You're like, oh, this is fine. This sounds good. Yeah. Like, you know, I can't be asked moving this capo. So yeah, I, and that's just what I'll do. And then it'll just kind of expand from there. And I've got probably about 20 songs that are half written that I just jam nice. with. And I, I don't, force the endings of it because i don't need to i've got an yeah. album coming out and i don't i've got two hours worth of material that i can play so i don't yeah. need new songs right now yeah so you don't want to just... pump an album full of yeah. the 20 songs when it doesn't need to be because yeah. so i I've just been kind of enough like... to hear uh, to hear it and it, it flows really well so. thank you man so i just kind of let them gestate and i kind of see it's this is going to sound dead pretentious and dead arsy but there's a thing in like we're Buddhism. doing a podcast. Like, 
So <laughs> this is going to be dead pretentious, but we're doing a podcast anyway. So, but there's a thing in Buddhism, and it's from like Thich Nhat Hanh's books, where he doesn't really believe in creation because mm. something can't come from nothing, and nothing can't come from something. Right. So I don't ever really see what I do as a creation of a song. Right. It's manifestation of things aligning in a certain way that will then create the song. Okay. So I need the chord progression to sound right, have an idea for a lyric, and to be in the right space of mind and the right time of, like in wherever I am. Mm. And that will then complete the song. So okay. I'll, never, I'll never force anything because I believe that I manifest the songs. I don't create them. Okay. So, they just, yeah, they just yeah, kind of gestate and... Yeah. Yeah, because if I wrote "Away I Go" on a different day, then it would be a different song. So, so I think true. the yeah. manifestation of the song itself is more important than trying to force a creation of it. Because yeah. as long as you have a back catalog that you're proud of and you can stand up and perform live, you aren't in a rush to create anything. That, so that's I, it. Yeah. yeah. So I let yeah. that manifest for a bit, and then when it finally comes to fruition, and it's a, if I feel it's a good song, and I'll play it and see how it reacts, then I'll carry on with it. And that's kind of my manifestation and creation process for songs. For comics, like I've been talking to you because I've got an idea for a comic. Hmm. And I always kind of think of the premise. And yeah. then the important thing for me is the pacing of the comic. Yeah. So I'll think of the premise and then I'll try and think of the plot. But as long as I have the first five pages or so, as long yeah. as I have the beats down, what I'll do is I'll go into like Word. And I'll just do the bullet point thing where it's yeah. like the numbers. So it's like one, two, three. Yeah, nine, this nine, happens nine. and then this happens yeah. and then that happens. Yeah. And then I'll literally go, so if this is going to be a 20-odd page comic, I'll just do the 20-odd page, like 20-odd bullet points. And yeah. I'll just be like, the first page is the first bullet point and I'll just go through to, so I know what should happen on each page. Yeah. And then once I've got what I'm, I know is going to happen on each page, I'll then go into each bullet point and break down that page into the panels. And flesh and then, out a bit more. And then I'll, and... Yeah. And then that'll be when I'll start working on dialogue or I'll have dialogue written at the very bottom of the bullet points that I yeah. know I need to put in. Yeah. Yeah. And then from there, I'll just flesh out each bullet point into a page and that's my comment. And then it, it's, it's, it slowly grows, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, mine's, um, I mean, I, I've never really thought about how I go about comics, but when you were talking about writing, writing a song and like letting it manifest, um, mine's, Thinking about it now, it's it man's quite similar. Like mm. it, it, it. You have an idea first, and then it, it kind of, it just kind of grows. Like I'm, mm. I'm still adding bits now, even though the line work's done. Like yeah. I'm like, oh, I could put this visual cue in here. Mm. I could, you know, uh, change this light in a certain way. Um, I haven't even finished writing the dialogue yet. That's still changing. Nice. Um, I mean, I, I was looking on um the awesome comics facebook page this morning and he was talking about um planners versus pantsers mm. so people who plan plan ahead like you know some people like oh this is definitely going to be a five a five issue run this is going to happen in each issue you know it's going to end like this whereas i think we're in the pantsers category like yeah. i i don't i've i've got a rough idea of how i want it ends but in between i don't know what's going to happen so i'm just kind of winging it as yeah. it go on i think that's the most interesting thing to do because then that creates because it needs for me it needs to be fun at every level 
I need, was I just need to say be that engaged as well. yeah. and I need to have fun while I'm doing it. And having that kind of, I don't know how this middle bit's going to work out yet, creates yeah. the spontaneity because there's nothing better than surprising yourself as you're writing it. That's it, man. And that's the thing I enjoy. And then I go, ooh, that would be good. And then it creates the whole process. And I think that spontaneity can help. It translates down the line to the readers. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And like, you, you're picking up influences um, like along the line as well. Mm. So where, whereas this is my negative side to a planner, mm. like you can have those, um, I mean, but I suppose I'm speaking out loud here. Um, you can, you know, you can write all that stuff at the start, but you're only going to have a core set of influences. Yeah. I mean, I suppose that's what rewrites are for. Mm. But the the benefit of being a panther, I don't quite like that term. But anyway, what is it? A panther? A panther? Yeah, like flying by the seat of your pants. Oh. Yeah. Well, surely there's a better way. Yeah. Uh, like a, a pan- panther's weird. It's hard to say. Yeah. Um, benefit of being a panther is it sounds it sounds a bit a bit pervy as well, doesn't it? Yeah. Or you like. And- you're dropping the pants of the planners, like you're sneaking up on them, <laughs> ragging their kecks down and be like, this third fucking plan. Yeah. Way. <laughs> Look how narrow-minded this person is. <laughs> With his um, legend. <laughs> 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 um, but like, we're being, just doing it by the seat of your pants is like, you're picking up influences as you go. Mm. Like, I, I've got like, um, like at the bottom of the issue one, document i've got mm. like the next time you should rewatch this or you should read this mm. you know just pick up where what i'm thinking and like see how other people have done it because like you said nothing's original no and you know you've, you've just got to kind of get bit, bits of the proverbial clay of other other things and just kind of mold something yourself yeah definitely it's one of those things that i think a lot of people like strive to be original and the odds of actually creating something original in this day and age that's truly truly original is almost impossible there's very few things that i think in the last 10 years are super original but it doesn't mean i love them any less it's just i see what they're by and i see the honesty and care that they've done it and that's the main thing to me is the honesty of it I mean, I, I love it when you can, especially in film, you can you can see like they've watched this film and they've watched this film mm. and they've just mashed it together and then you've you've got this other film. Yeah. Like, um, I mean, the, the the first one that springs to mind, but there's there's so many others. It's the uh, Hateful Eight. Yeah. And basically, watched the thing and he was mm. like, I want to do that, but Western. Yeah. And that that's it then isn't it yeah that's what i really like about it. and that's i think that's what i loved about the hateful eight and those type of films but it's also what i didn't like about stranger things because when mm. I, i've only seen the first season of stranger things but that to me was like they got they were like what if we did it and we did et and we mushed them together but yeah. we made it so overtly obvious it was the 80s that yeah. was such a chore to watch to be like remember this from the 80s I'm like yeah I remember this from the 80s like do you remember this from uh, yeah I remember them I wasn't there but I'd fucking know what happened like, I mean <laughs> I mean like I remember you saying this when it came out and at the time I was like very much in that camp but like 
watching it properly it's you can i read it as more of a love letter that's the thing i think it's seen like it is definitely a love letter from them but i just think it was so ham-fisted how they did it in the first season because it was even who would have had a thing poster when the thing came out because it was those nerds in the basement yeah it was panned by critics and then they would have had to get that poster from somewhere and they definitely wouldn't have just fucking hung it up in someone's house. It's like, it's just stuff like that. Where it's like, I get it. I get, I get, I get you're in the eighties. I get it. The, the things are good, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like it's, and it like, I mean, it's, it's dependent if you like that, like hyper, it, it's not quite synthwave, but it's mm. like that hyper to, synthwave 80s yeah nostalgic vibe i think that's the appeal of it as well yeah true and you know the the kid the kids are cute aren't they <laughs> like you just you know you just want them to win you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I literally saw the first season and was like i'm done but i think i i dropped i just had a call of tv shows because I just wanted to actually you, you, create. Yeah, stuff. you didn't have you didn't have time, did you? Yeah. you were Which again it. sounds like a dead pretentious comment, but we are on a podcast. But it was literally I was just watching TV shows and because I was dead obsessed with TV back in the day. Yeah, I yeah, you, so yeah. many things. Mm. I, I've cut it down to the thing I think I watch like two or three things a year now. Yeah, you, you're quite like, quite selective now. Yeah, you? I just don't need to watch it. Yeah, like is it worth my time? Yeah. Am I interested? I used to I did this dead Aussie thing where it was like I I want to know what happens but I don't want to sink an hour of yeah, time you'd do, into it. You'd do it as a wiki, wouldn't you? So I I just read <laughs> I, I used to I re- piss, piss everyone off by just reading the Game of Thrones. Synopsis. I was just gonna say about Game of Thrones, you're like, you know, just read the wiki, sound the chest. Yeah. <laughs> I just read whatever like Rolling Stone or whoever wrote up the synopsis and plot somewhere on the internet, like Geek Squad or wherever. I just yeah. read the episode breakdown and was like. I'm glad I didn't spend an hour watching that. See, like I'm, I'm the dickhead who read the books in the um, in the post office. We were talking about, um, was it was it off air on? The, did we go into it or was it on it? I can't remember. Um, I would just hammered those books when mm. I was on that job, just invigilating. Yeah, and and then the show kit, like it was as the show came out, I was like season one boss, like gonna read all these, and I did, and then the seasons just didn't match the books and yeah. I was like, rear, rear, rear. this isn't like the book and then that's why I dropped it. So Yeah, I just I the thing that made me stop watching TV as much was I just didn't care about any of the characters. And yeah. It's the same with the Walking Dead and stuff where I was like, I don't care, but to be part of the zeitgeist, I can't my curiosity, I do want to know what happens. So I just so, read the synopsis for like Walking Dead and Game of Thrones. And I still read the like I still read the Walking Dead comics. But yeah. someone in like my job said, well doesn't it take the fun out of it just reading Game of Thrones? I mean, do you know it was a book first, don't you? Yeah. I mean... Uh, <laughs> they just like, looked at me. I was like, it was. And I'm just doing I, the abridged version. Yeah, now the tables have turned and have had the books filled for me. If the ending's going to be the same. And I've heard yeah. the ending wasn't very good. I've heard it was bad. But the thing is, when it's such a massive show, there's very few that'll stick the landing of it. That, and, that's it. And it's... I have, I mean, uh, as you know, with me writing, I have difficulty finishing properly. Like, it's always like this kind of ambiguous and mm. or it, there's no really real defining con- conclusion. Mm. It's always quite open-ended with me. 
Yeah. Um, and I, I, I get that it's hard to wrap stuff up. Yeah. But, you know, if, if you're on a budget. Yeah. And like a big thing, budget. I, like, I, no. <laughs> and I think Sopranos ended so well. And then no one could do that type of ending ever again. So they mm. had to do a proper ending. Yeah. And Sopranos just kind of mic dropped the whole thing. <laughs> just like not finishing this. Yeah. Sopranos did the best ending to a TV show ever. So Spoilers no- to anyone who hasn't seen Sopranos. Oh, we've not said the ending. That's, that's true. Have you seen Sopranos? I've, <laughs> you've I've seen been, the ending. I know, I know the get... ending. No, <laughs> I know the ending. I was going to make a joke how we fade to black now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Sopranos is great, but it was during that time I was watching a lot of TV as well, and I felt like I was juggling so much, yeah. and I, it just kind of it just kind of faded away. I mean, I play a lot of video games as well, and I'm, I'm so guilty of that. Mm. I like I've I've just got like I don't know if there's like um a term for it, but my head's just on a swivel. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, what's this new thing? Oh, I'll put this thing I'm doing now down, and you know, mm. and it's it's quite it's quite different to how I approach you know creating stuff. Yeah, like I'll always just have the one project and just yeah, see that through to the end. Definitely. But yeah. where where it's where it comes to consuming media, I just want to consume as much as I can. Yeah, I think I hit the pause button on it because I was just getting bummed out on knowing that I'd never see everything. Yeah, like I, as much I, as you want to. Yeah, did you, <laughs> did you ever get bummed out going into a library and kind of being upset that you'll never read every book? I, I, I couldn't read until a few weeks ago when I read Dune. <laughs> <laughs> like, you I can't do an English yeah. degree. But. I just have this weird little like thing in my head where I'll go, like, I'll go into like Liverpool Library and I'll see all the books and go, there's going to be one book here that will sum up my personality and it'll completely speak to me and i'll probably yeah. never find it and that kind of like bums me out yeah and it's the same thing with like tv shows and films there will probably be a perfect something somewhere that i'll never witness or like listen to or see and it kind of bums me out that i'm gonna miss it which is why when people say oh wouldn't it suck to live, to live forever i'm like no nah. first nah. hundred years i would be holed up in that library just <laughs> reading and so I had just hit a pause on pretty much everything that I didn't find organically, like straight away. So if, yeah. you, if someone's like, oh, you should watch this. I go, oh, should I though? Yeah. It's just wiki. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wiki it first. So you're just more of a, a speed eater than, you know, just taking it in. and To a point, but I, I, I prefer when I actually do something to proper sink my teeth into it and then learn everything about it. So the last yeah. season I really watched that I loved was Kingdom, like the Koreans. I one. still, I mean, you've told me to watch Kingdom for ages, yeah. and I haven't got around to it. It's been on my watch list yeah. since you've told me about it yeah. a few years ago. But I think I've now watched that, and it's only two seasons, but I've watched that like three times now. Mm. Because I just love that wow. the aesthetic of it and like how it's done is so good that I kind of I don't see I don't want to waste my time with other things that might not as be good, as good. Yeah, so I just yeah. kind of like let everything fall by the wayside and a lot of stuff now there's too many tv shows so i just ignore them and i prefer films yeah i was just gonna say i prefer watching films because it's fine you know what's gonna happen yeah the time it would take to watch two episodes of like a long form tv show you could watch a film yeah that's what i think because i put on that hunters with al pacino oh yeah 
and I put the first episode on and it was set hour and a half and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? That's <laughs> an entire film, that film. That's an entire Nick Cage film that I could yeah, be man. watching in that amount of time. So I, yeah. like, I just don't have the time commitment to film or the time commitment to TV, sorry. Yeah. And I always, with whatever I consume, I always think I, the feeling you get when you create something like the feeling we get when we cut open the first box of comics mate, is so such a good feeling. And that feeling outweighs the feeling of binge watching a TV show by a billion percent. Yeah. I mean, so I so, always... so if I'm enjoying a, a TV show, uh, I will binge it mm. over a weekend. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, it's hard when your head's on the swivel. You yeah. just want to, you know, wish I just had like, I don't know, like four sets of eyes or yeah. something. You just like plug in like the Matrix. You just like see it all. Yeah, yeah. And then you know, I've watched The Sopranos like that. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing, man. I just the feeling of creating something outweighs the feeling of consuming something. No, so I need like that is always the most important thing to me. And when I'm playing a video game, like I only play, I've only played two in the last like three years. Yeah, State of Decay, decay. which I always play. Um, I've kind of dropped because it's not as good it's not as fun yeah like that's the thing if I don't find any if fun and I find it hard I just go no yeah and that and um the Mad Max game I played I haven't played that in ages that's that's really good I I recommend that to to anyone who likes video games but Um, while I'm playing those video games they are literally used as like a reward for me so it's like I've put in Mm. I've done this I've done that I'm gonna play video games for 10 minutes and then I'll play State of Decay for that that amount of time. And then I'll go back to, well, I need to do this yeah. for the podcast. I need to do this for the music. I need to yeah. crack on with this. And that is always the motivation for me is I'd rather create than consume. And that's the mindset I'm in now. Mm. Um, I mean, as you know, like video games are quite like a big part of what I consume. Mm. Um, but because they are such a time sink, I, I do try and keep them as like, oh, a treat or a wind yeah. down. Um, but that said, that it's just like another way of telling the story. Yeah, it is. That's the thing. Like, I don't want to sound like I'm shitting on those mediums because they are really like they've all got their own strengths yeah. and weaknesses. And really, the the um, how am I trying to phrase this? The quality and standard of certain TV shows and even certain video games is as good and is as moving as the finest piece of like music, film, or art. Like yeah. I still stand by Halo Reach as being one of the best video games ever made. Mm. The story was impeccable. If that was a film, it'd be a fucking incredible film. If that was a TV show. If in any medium Halo Reach was created, it would be top tier. Yeah, just because the the depth of like the yeah. characters and the world building and yeah, yeah, it's but yeah, I mean it's it's going to that that concept and it's. Um, just like having a concept and seeing where you can go with it and yeah. it'd, it'd be interesting to see if we had the budget if you know one one of our kind of, or other people's creations could be like put in another mm. um kind of medium because i know um i know some small press people have like turned their like world they've created into like a, a role-playing system mm. for example yeah and that that's really interesting as well yeah that's like, really people. interesting i love it when people try and explore the the small press scene are quite good for that. I think there's oh, definitely, a lot of things yeah. where they can they like well if we turned it into this and we could do it that way. The thing that I don't like about the small press scene is when you can tell that they just want it to be a film. 
Yeah, but I mean, devil, devil's advocate to, to that. <laughs> Sorry, can you hear those kids? <laughs> Kinda, but we we were meant to be recording this into in a van, so the sound yeah. quality and stuff. I know. I, I still haven't been in that van. <laughs> haven't you? <laughs> no. <laughs> I was like, when you was like, oh, when you on the podcast, I was like, oh, finally, I can get in the van. Oh, no, I'll get you in the van. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, Rona happened and. Yeah. Now, no. Well, you know the the screaming kids next door. They they just add. Yeah, it's the authenticity <laughs> of the Wirral and Rock Ferry as a general. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was I saying? Oh, but, um, yeah. So with the the benefit of creating comics is it's a film on a limitless budget. Mm. You know, you all this old stuff you could do in CGI and yeah. You know, it's literally just the only limitation is what the artist can draw. That's it, yeah. And like, you know, if if it doesn't regard, I mean, it's the to the artist's skill. And like, I wouldn't call myself like, you know, at that level, yeah. But mm. if you put just put the time in and the yeah. research, you know, you can you can draw anything. And I say this to anyone who's like, mm. oh, I can't draw. I'm like, you can draw. It's it's just triangles and circles. Yeah. So just take your time. Just take it. your time, give a shit, and make it. As long as you finish yeah. the product, the next one will be better, and you just keep on keeping on. Yeah, and uh, and uh, I don't know about you when you're you're writing, but like you you see the images in in movement, mm. and then you you put down like what's what's going to tell the story the most into that still image. Yeah, that that's how. For me, anyway, like I write comics, I'm like, oh, this this shot will be good, and I I love when I watch films, and I'm just like, that's that's a boss shot, and it's oh, like, yeah, it's all, I, I, it's all symmetrical. Mm. I know symmetry isn't always the best, but like, it's always it's always great when you see like certain obvious. It's 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 obviously placed somewhere to a fault. Yeah, and you just like, yeah, that's it. And it's normally like someone walking down, um walking down a corridor in the silhouette like you know that's yeah like that type of stuff i love like you can when there's a great shot like is it in going back to the thing there's a shot where he has all three things in focus where he has mccready in the background like holding the three men hostage at mm. the same time and he's got the flamethrower yeah and at the same time the guy in the foreground with the scalpels in shot that's it yeah that's a perfect shot, and that's yeah. so well thought out because he had, to, with the limitations of his time, he had to do basically three different shots for that mm. one scene to set it up, so everything was in focus. Yeah, and that level of thought and care, I think, really is what speaks to comic book creators because you can keep everything in focus like that for comics, and you see certain shots in films that just look so good like that. Yeah, I mean, think thinking about it now, it's like. Comics and films are very closely linked because yeah. you know you need a storyboard artist. And I remember mm. you saying the, the other week, like you're starting to collect storyboard art. Mm. So like, you know, I think like Mike Fluke did um, storyboard art for the thing or yeah. some of it, and he he probably drew that obviously with John Carpenter's like input, but he he would have drew that shot mm. with yeah. maybe with a few tweaks, like when it went to film. But you know. It's mm. it's all it's all linked. Yeah, just so, see how it would work. Yeah, and I yeah. love it. Yeah, but 
yeah, I just like the thing. That's why I think I love comic books is that it's pretty much a limitless thing. I don't know if you've seen on Twitter at the moment where people are saying how because uh, comic books, like the big publishers are on pause because of uh, COVID. Mm. It's like the end of comic books. And it's always, they always talk about the end of comic books because two publishers will fail. I mean, I disagree with that. Yeah, it's the same thing as when people say punk's dead. I go, punk's not dead, the Ramones are. There's a difference. (laughs) Like, as long as there's some kid picking up a fucking guitar, cranking the amp too loud and screaming his little heart out, punk's Mm. never going to be dead. And it's the same thing with comic books, where as long as someone gives a shit enough to create a fucking comic book, that's, that's goes, it, yeah. I shall read that comic book. Comics are never going to die. Yeah, and yeah. people always want to look at cool pictures and, yeah. you know, and there is, like, I mean, like anything, it's not limited to a genre. Like, yeah. a lot of people think comics are just superheroes, but yeah. since getting into small press, there's mm. so much. And, yeah. like, you know. Potentially, sorry. the best thing that could happen to the comic book scene is the big two collapse and superheroes lose their. Yeah, let, let nature their return. status. And if the two big comic book publishers and their superhero stories actually diminished, and I'm not saying that because I want it to happen because I love superheroes, but yeah. if those two moved and went smaller, the market yeah. push-up would be so much more of different things. Like Image could bring out more books. All the creative yeah. teams that are on Marvel superhero books at the moment could bring out their creator-owned projects. And the yeah. wealth of... Act like other comic books and other genres in the medium would be so fucking good. I mean, even if those established artists didn't like, didn't even want to go to Image, like Kickstarter exists now. Yeah, that's the thing. <clears> and, even if the, they wanted to create a project, yeah. they do, they wouldn't need to go through an Image publisher. I think if, especially like if BK Vaughan and Fiona Staples decided to do another book, yeah, and Kickstarter, they could just. Uh, like uh, I mean, check. yeah. <laughs> like um, it was like those uh, McFarlane figures. Mm, yeah, that like that was funded like dead quick. Mm. And uh, you know, just anything like that. Yeah. And like I know there's a bit of a saga with like the the Rob Liefeld mm. comic, which I'm not like 100% clued up on. But he he like wanted to kickstart his own comic, and then that like got funded pretty quick but then he didn't put anything out yeah was it him or was it someone else i can't remember but I, yeah there's some big artists who take everyone's money and then don't do a fucking tap with it yeah but, i know but it's it's all about like can consumer demand yeah stuff like that it doesn't matter about the publisher it's like like we, we keep saying it's about like the creators drive to to create and you know people want to consume it yeah, if you cre- if you create something that's good, then people will buy it. Like um, even Tom Wood, with his the sensational Elephant Man, yeah. Eric, that's yeah. fucking killing it. That's gone on to ten issues. Kickstarters get funded within the first week. Yeah, only in the first few doing days. Doing really well. Absolutely savaging it. He's his numbers. I would assume would probably make any small independent publisher jealous. Yeah, and he's doing it with it. Is it Luke? I can't remember the artist's full name. Yeah, Mark Parker. Yeah. I know I only know him by his Instagram. <laughs> and Luke Parker, I think. Yeah, yeah. They've created a series, an ongoing series that is to, for me, I think it's changed the game and it's set the standard of what you can do in independent comics. 
Definitely, man. I remember again. I remember seeing his stuff at. Um, I think it was the th- first thought bubble we went, mm-hmm. and I saw um, Art Parker's like art book, and I was like, "Oh, he's he's just like Mike Mignola." Mignola. Yeah. And um, it it just blew me mind. I was like, "This this this is great," it, you know. Mm. And it's all done independently through fan support, which I think is a brilliant thing for the comic scene. And I think that's what Cog Life will need to use Kickstarter for is to create that sense of community and bring in fans. Oh, definitely. Because yeah. the times are a changing, I think, for comics. And I'm really excited to see where it goes because so many good things are getting plowed like, independently. Yeah, yeah. And like, it's just about, I mean, like, like I was saying earlier, like when we went to that uh, London Super Comic Con a few years, like, was that 2012 or something? 2012, yeah, it was eight years ago. Bloody hell. Um, uh, didn't even know about small press. Yeah. And, you know, as soon as you dive into that world, like, I've, like, I barely read, like, the big, big three stuff mm. now. Yeah. Like, there's it's so crazy, much good man. stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's, again, it's just completely leveled the playing field, and I love it so much. And the thing that, the only bad thing about the small press scene is, is I'm poor, so I can't pick start and back <laughs> every yeah. single thing that I want. <laughs> So, definitely man yeah. but, um it's but again it's it's just about i mean you could like i've been considering putting my stuff out digitally as mm-hmm. well just before, like to to get you know just a bit of a runner to yeah. the kickstarter i think that'd um, be an interesting way that's what i kind of did you know with because i want to do some more digital comics that are more instagram style and instagram friendly. yeah just yeah. because I really like those type of social media comics that are just dead mm. shareable and memeable to a point. Yeah, yeah. And they're quite good in building a following, so I'd like to explore more of that. But I think doing a digital thing, because Tom, for Merrick, he does the first issues free, isn't it? That's yeah. it, yeah. It's like first takes is free. And then, yeah. yeah, it's just, um, I mean, with, with me, it's just the time. Yeah. It just it just takes so long. And like, you know, it's only because I've been on house arrest that I have... <laughs> Like, you know, I've had just the drive to do it, really. Yeah. With the lockdown, have you felt more creative and um, productive since then? Because I know you've been cranking out the book. So has it kind of worked to your advantage? It definitely towards mm. me advantage, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not sure I should say this on air, but um, me, like, remotely, my job isn't that intensive. Mm. So I have had time to just like you know st- stay on emails and yeah work at the same time because mm. the the workstations are one and the same yeah so yeah that definitely I've been more productive oh, good just, man because I know that's, cranking it out yeah yeah I know that's been kind of an issue because I've been speaking to a few different musicians and things and they've kind of been beating themselves up because they haven't been as creative and I know I haven't Ooh. I haven't written a new song I think this year. Well, I mean, I, I think it, I think it's down to the individual because, like, yeah. a lot of people feel like, oh, uh, like I should be more productive and creative during this time. Mm. Um, but I think it's, um, I mean, because I do it as a hobby, mm. it's just it's just like I'd be killing time like after work doing this, but mm. it just so happens I've got more time. Yeah, you don't have the commute and things like that and you can work that's what i've been and, doing for the podcast i've been editing on my like lunch break and i've been yeah doing just like saving time and what i'd be doing to travel and stuff i've been mm. being more and then in, in in work anyway i'm i'm always just thinking like oh how can the script be changed i'm always mm. doodling even though it shouldn't be 
<laughs> um, you know, it, it it's just time. It's just energy. It can direct more yeah. efficiently. No, um, but uh, during like a nine to five, like I, I, I don't know about you, but like I find myself like coming home and just completely like sapped of any create creative energy I would have, mm. just because like it's been in that environment. Yeah, I don't but, know. I mean, for me, but, I like the like playing guitar has always been what I do to relax. Mm. So even in just like I'll just sit there and pick up my guitar. I'll just sit there in front of the TV and like strum along and yeah. not even playing loudly, just playing it, and then maybe yeah. something will trigger and that'll be what leads me to something else. But I kind of uh, who did I say this to? I, said, I can't remember who I said this to, but I'm creative out of spite. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember who I was talking to, but um, I'm creative out of spite. Like that's my biggest driving force. So I know if I feel drained from work. And drain you're like work's not going to get the better of me yeah that is exactly like my head goes that's what they want you to be they want you to be drained mm. they don't want you to be like creative they don't want you to do your own thing they don't want you to follow your dream they want you to sit in front of the tv and not do a fucking thing so my yeah. brain then goes i can't let them do that and even if i just do half an hour of editing a podcast or i do 15 minutes of playing on guitar writing mm. a song or tweaking some lyrics or even doing like music admin and emailing venues yeah. and things then it's not in vain so i as long as i do something productive that's my driving force i don't really sit in front of the tv and feel like sapped from it all yeah. i just out of spite get up and <laughs> um, i mean I, I suppose i'm in the camp of letting work win and mm-hmm. you know maybe when i get back i, I should be a bit more spiteful <laughs> like spite is a big motivator and if, if you use it positively and you don't really direct at anyone it's not work's fault that i'm stopped from doing this it's society's it's, fault it's, I yeah. don't do this it's, yeah yeah i'm working and when i'm working i commit my time to that and then the second it's not that it's my time and my time is valuable and my mm. time is worth my creative energies so then i'll yeah. push it but i know a lot of people in the pandemic saying oh i'm not creative and i'm worried about yeah i'm beating myself up over not writing anything we're we're in a pandemic we're in a global it's a, pandemic it's stress no one's anyway. expe- like yeah those tweets where it's like if you don't come out of this lockdown with a new skill it's not that you've nah. lacked time as you've lacked discipline it's like well you've lacked the fucking brain not bad <laughs> like, <laughs> i know like the have, and yeah you know. people have so much on that in a pandemic i'm using it to just take a break and recharge and sort out the next life promotion side of everything so i'm not beating myself up over creating anything and i'm telling all my musician friends and creative friends to do the same it's a pandemic different yeah outlet anyway like you know you can enjoy admin yeah i occasionally enjoy admin (laughs) (laughs) well it's a pandemic not a boot camp like that yeah so Very it's true. just from that it's, you just have to kind of take it as it comes and let it it's one like, day at a time because we don't know when we're yeah. we're getting out of this and you know it's it's been hard for everyone in different ways yeah um and i know it's not quite the plague but it's what um our, our mate Ditch was saying it, like you know it, it's a it's a global pandemic it's essentially the plague and all the yeah. spanish flu or you know yeah it so is, it's, it's, yeah like if the worst thing out of this is you don't finish a song then you've got off easy yeah 
So Definitely. Just, the main thing is to just be happy and comfortable. And if that includes binge watching a TV show, then so be then, it. Because yeah, just each to their own, man. Yeah, you don't owe anyone anything. So create on your own time. And that's yeah. like what I always think is like, I don't owe anyone a new song. I don't owe anyone anything. I only owe myself it. And if I'm not feeling it, I'm not feeling it. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Sorry, I had the um, I, I had the proper singing feeling. I had me a uh, microphone on mic then. <laughs> I mean, on, on mute. Oh, imagine. <laughs> imagine. Yeah. No, because um, yeah, it's just it's just interesting how you know creativity flows and yeah, and I, it, I, it should it shouldn't be a forced thing. And by no means, like I know I finished the line work, but yeah. by no means have I forced that. No. It's just so, because I've so happened to that I enjoy it. Mm. Um, I like see, seeing stuff come together, and I've had the time to do it. Yeah, and I've seen some songwriters like I think Leonard Cohen and maybe Jason Isbell were talking about this, where it's like, well, I sit down and write a song because songwriting is my job. I'm like, I didn't get into songwriting to make it a job. No nah, man, I got into songwriting to be a songwriter and to do what I want to do when I want to. Yeah. And that's, and that's the kind of approach I take. And if I sit down, like I could sit down and write something and it might be good. And I can do that every now and then, if, especially if I've got 90% of a song finished, I'll sit down and write the rest of the song. And yeah, sometimes you just need that final push, don't you? Yeah, to, but it's not, like, I, I won't sit down with nothing and try and come up with something. I <laughs> just kind of will a idea out of nothing. Yeah, like yeah, a blank, a... like something, like what is it? A blank page is the worst first draft so as long as you write something yeah and even if like i'll be like as long as i write a line then that's it man like i've got a i've got a like i've either got um i've got a thing on me google notes and i've got like a word like a file on my computer mm. that's just called at least i've started something and it's just all <laughs> it, it's just all those kind of you know just little prompts and yeah unformed I'm, ideas that you know can just sit in sit in the back of your mind for a while until you like maybe consume a bit of media and you're like ah that's it like yeah. that's that's how i can do this and yeah I've definitely. Got, um yeah I've, I've i've just looked at my board as well and it's just loads of post-its and one of the post-its literally just says the story trope i like where someone gets turned into an animal <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and underneath that it says do that and that's like that's writing for you which i think is always the best thing to do it's like again like what we were saying before if you want to enjoy what you're creating then do something else yeah man because like i i I remember writing that posting no i was watching the witcher (laughs) and then there's that episode where there's the uh there's the it's the um the war of surprise episodes where that that, have, have you watched the witcher I watched the first episode with Didge. <laughs> I'm wondering, do I say this on air? Because I don't want to go into Joe Rogan territory. So I watched the first episode with Didge on edibles. Right. And how, I, um, how, how was that? Halfway through, I was like, is this back in time? And he was like, no. I was like, then I'm fucking lost. <laughs> Just, I'm out. Yeah, so I was like, yeah, I basically went, yeah, I'm out. I don't know what the fuck's happening. It was like in the middle of the fight in the war. And I was like, where the fuck did this come from? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, I was like, I'm done. My mind's a bit confusing. Yeah. Until I'm, about halfway through. Yeah, I'd had like four edibles. I'd had two glasses of whiskey and was like, I have no idea what the fuck's <laughs> happening. So <laughs> I was like, like, I'll go with this. Yeah, I'm done. 
and then I watched I think two episodes with Siv because we were, mm. we kept we keep hearing the hype, so we watched the first two episodes, and again I was like I don't care about this. It's it's good, man. Like I, I mean, I've heard it's good things, and like the book and the game are meant to be good, but yeah, it's I mean it's it's kind of my genre, like the yeah. fantasy thing. So. I mean, it's a good thing you didn't watch this episode on Enables because, like, there's this knight <laughs> that comes in and he's like, you know, he's claiming his his law of surprise as the princess because mm. he was promised this like ages ago, and he pulls off his helmet and he's like a porcupine man, because he's because he's been cursed. <laughs> and I was like, love this trope because I, I, as well as that, at the same time, I, I was playing this game back on the um, on the SNES called Chrono Trigger, mm. and again, there's this knight. He was cursed. He was turned into a frog, but he's also a knight, and he's the best character. He's my favorite character in the game. He's boss. And I was just like, I want to write something that's this, except with a different animal, because then it's blatantly copying. Yeah, the own setting and stuff like that. I'm like, what a what a weird animal that that's like. I can do, and you know, can maybe do something interesting with, and mm. I can research and stuff like that. So there's a post-it next to that post-it that just has I I circled oh like the actual animal the ii the ii yeah Sick. so look for that when i've finished admin era which will be a few years <laughs> in 2035 <laughs> when we come out of lockdown when we come out of lockdown um your beard's down to me knees my hair's down <laughs> to me knees and i've finally done the first draft of the script yeah. Sick, about man. the ii yeah. i can't wait for it <laughs> Yeah, like that's the thing with The Witcher again is that I just couldn't be asked because it yeah, has it's a lot. timeline issues and things. And I was like, this is cool, and it's something I just don't want to sit down and do because I've got other shit to do. Yeah, um, what what drew me in? Henry Cavill's know, arms. Henry Cavill's arms. The fact that Henry Cavill, like, I liked his character. Yeah, I thought he was like doing a good job with it. Yeah, um, setting was good. Set was interesting. Mm. Um. I loved. I did like it, and I enjoyed the humor that they had in like the undertones of it. Yeah, it's quite dry, isn't it? Yeah, I enjoyed that. I did enjoy it, but it's, I just can't be asked like watching another TV show. That's it, and it's back to that thing that we um we talking about earlier, mm. yeah. where it's like there's too much stuff, and yeah. you've got to pick and choose what you want. But because yeah. I do like um, the fantasy stuff, but <clears> it's just if it, if it's an hour, if it was twenty minute episodes or half hour episodes. Yeah, like if it was if The Witcher was done in Always Sunny style, <laughs> I'd, I'd watch it. But I'm not. I'm not sitting there for the an Witcher hour. The Witcher has a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Witcher punches an elf. Yeah, The Witcher gets gun fever. <laughs> but because I do enjoy the fantasy thing, but again, it's just picking and choosing where I spend my time consuming, which is why I've enjoyed. Was starting Dungeons and Dragons again? Yeah, man, that's um, I'm I'm excited for it because again, it's like a different, it's a different storytelling medium. Yeah, and I've got all these ideas. Well, I mean, I've I've run campaigns for a different group before, and it's it's it, it's having all these ideas in your head, and like they get to you know explore it and stuff. Yeah, and um, I'm I'm better at writing stuff down, but it's I think it has helped me kind of you know tell a story like verbally mm. i mean i'm still like relying on crutches like we do it in discord don't we and yeah. I've, um, I've started to put like little visual prompts of like what mm. i'm thinking cool like so look out for that i've made a little mood board oh yeah uh, yeah so 
No, but um, just storytelling sick, isn't it? It is, man. And that's I, like why I'm happy about doing Dungeons and Dragons again is I want to do something that's it's still creative in its own way. And it's still like you get a sense of achievement from it. It's what my issue with video games is. You get mm. an achievement, but then it doesn't translate to anything else, really. Yeah. It's like you get the experience yeah. and you're like, yeah, yeah, I did it, but there's nothing to share it with. But with Dungeons and Dragons, it's, it's obviously it's a like collective. Yeah, and it's you and it's yeah. Deck and Lucy and <clears throat> Didge and Josh. So it's like we're sharing this thing. So it's still, it's like my favorite things of like fantasy and games and like that with hanging out with my mates. Yeah, and it's that, chat and shit. Yeah, yeah, and chat and shit. And that for me is like, this is a really fun break from everything yeah. else. And that's what that's the one thing that I'll enjoy putting time away to consume. And because I still get like, there's another worth to it outside yeah, of it's and, like if it was a video game or a TV show. And there's there's um there's sessions I played years ago, and we still bring them up. Mm. Um, like you know, you always remember your your first, and like mm. I, we still talk about like my first character, like with the other group of players. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like it's it's the stories you make yourself collectively, yeah. and like what I'm trying to do with with you all is like you know help me build the world because yeah. it's not it's not just my world like you know that you know um net a bit of spoilers just just for you because <sighs> no one else can <laughs> play the session. Um, I want like because you want a gun, don't you? Yeah, I do want a gun. The, the, the guy you. You're getting the gun off. He's gonna be like, you know, someone from the uh, the previous continent you lived on, and someone you knew in the past. So I want a bit of homework for you, because I, I like setting like DMs homework. <laughs> I'm like, think about this and think about that. Think about yeah. how your character would react. Um, this this character, like, what's your past with him? Mm. Is it gonna be awkward getting a gun off him? <laughs> like, do you like each other? Like, you know, yeah. Cool um, man. What's he like as well? So have a think about that. Anyway, oh, will do. That's really interesting. That's yeah. what I'm doing. For the people of the podcast who are interested in this Dungeons and Dragons, I am playing a bard because even in my wildest fantasy, I just want to be a successful musician. <laughs> <laughs> and also for for fans of the podcast, it's I've got a Wild West. It is a Wild West theme. It's a Wild West fantasy. It's a new theme. frontier. It's We've a, moved it's a new... one continent to another. And also quite, quite the uh, departure for Mike, you know, being in the country, country musician. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I didn't even prompt him to do this as well, which I appreciated. Because I told no, Josh I get... that was like a Wild Western theme. And I was like, I had no hand in this. Yeah. It's, again, this is one of the ideas of that's been gestating for mm-hmm. a while. And I'm like, want to do a Wild West themed, like, fantasy thing because... You know, I'm not actually like that big a fan of westerns, but mm. like for some reason, I just love that that setting. I don't know what it is. I think it might be the aesthetics. And is it because of Firefly more than the actual westerns? Um, I think Firefly's got a hand in it, but like mm. it's also the western like, aesthetic is cool as fuck. Yeah, like I I don't know. It was like I listened to um like a D and D podcast, and there was like a bit of a western twinge to that. I was mm. like, that's sick. I played this um this game called Hard West, um, and that's like a weird Western RPG. Mm. So it's like you know they make deals with the actual devil, and they oh, yeah. get like supernatural powers and stuff like that. But it's also like in the West. Um, Red Dead was sick as well. Mm. Yeah, um, I think it's good as well because like most fantasy things are kind of set 
as if you know lord of the rings is obviously the og yeah and it's like middle england new zealand rolling fields and mountains and stuff yeah to put those fantasy characters into a western setting where it's flat desert land and wastelands and stuff and shanty towns and the new frontiers i think really interesting yeah and it like lets you explore yeah this new frontier and like no one's i mean it's also a crutch for me because like because no one really knows what goes on it's called the glass desert where these people are for those mm. interested <laughs> which I'm sure many people are um glass deserts uncharted territory so like it's no one knows about it so it, it's a crutch for me because i can just make stuff up on the mm. fly because i'm like yeah, yeah that's a thing <laughs> Honest, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Definitely. yeah story story sounds in, in in its many forms yeah it's, Dude, I do love a good Western. Have you seen The Magnificent Seven? No, not the new one. Um, I was gonna. I the was original. Gonna start not not the uh, not the original either. because uh... I was gonna say I really like the modern modern takes on Western. So like, hatefully, Buster Scruggs was really good. Yeah. Um, when we watched the True Grit remake, really mm. enjoyed that. Django does that count as a Western? Django, yeah, Django's it's that setting, isn't it? Yeah. And even Man- Mandalorian, that's like yeah, Mandalorian's so good. Western, it's so good. Loving yeah. the Mandalorian at the moment. Mm. Um, yeah, and I mean, Star Wars itself, it's it's yeah. that mixture of like a Western and, and fantasy. Yeah, yeah, it's such a, it's such a. You can see its influence in loads yeah. of things. I think yeah. but, um, the Magnificent Seven films are sick. Like the original ones with the Eel Brenner and Steve McQueen, a boss. Yeah, and the Denzel. Chris Pratt one with Vincent D'Onofrio. That's a really fucking good. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. That's a really good. Like it's yeah. they've like <clears throat> upped the ante and like the action and stuff of it, which is sick. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's really enjoyable. And then there's have you seen Tombstone with Kate Russell and stuff in? No, I've really oh, wanted to watch that's that. That's a really yeah. good film. I think I made Siv watch that. I think it was either Boxing Day or New Year's Day. Yeah, and we watched that. It was like I'll be a Huckleberry. It's so fucking good. Because um. Me, me dad loves like the old lessons and like mm. I walked in and he was it was like the last scene of Tombstone and I was like <laughs> oh is this Tombstone and he was like yeah and I was like oh want to yeah. watch this but you know yeah, and that's, have to that's, seek it out yeah it's crazy man because westerns were the predominant like they were the Marvel movies of the 50s and 60s weren't they basically that's, that's true yeah and that's what I think but, a lot of people forget is like they're like oh we're oversaturated with Marvel movies and like motherfucker you had westerns for 30 years yeah and like i think i think if you're looking in a certain direction anyway i think there's going to be a lot of oversaturation yeah with stuff like um i've got like i don't know i can't even think of an example Mm -hmm. now like um the horror genre yeah for example there might not be many big blockbuster horrors there have been more recently but like Mm. so many horrors being pumped out yeah, it's on the up and up for the horror film. That's going to hit oversaturation, I think, in the next five uh, I think, years. I, I think it already has, because like all the, the streets of DVD stuff. I mean, there's a market for that, but there's a lot. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. But um, yeah. one of my favorite Westerns. Have you, seen, have you seen Unforgiven with Clint Eastwood? No. This, this, is, <laughs> this is proving my point on how long Westerns were going. Clint yeah. Eastwood started in Westerns as a young man and was still in Westerns as an old man. <laughs> and is one of the biggest movie stars on the planet purely through Western films. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, it's not really a genre of like jumps right into. Yeah. So, I like, think it's got, I, it's the same thing with country music, man. It's got connotations 
about westerns and obviously like yeah. back in the day like the john wayne ones are like sketchy in terms of modern day morals and like yeah like yeah like um, with the native I- americans identity, and stuff identity politics and yeah that. and all that thing yeah I, i'm not a fan of john wayne i don't like his films i like the clint eastwood ones anything that um is it ennio morricone anything he scored is fucking good mm. Like oh, the, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like whatever he did was fucking sick. I mean, I think, I think with the genre itself, it there's a lot of problematic stuff. I mean, yeah, yeah it is. Oh yeah, like you can see Clint Eastwood as being a bit problematic sometimes as yeah. well, and um, Tarantino as well. Yeah, he's very problematic, but I still watch his films. So mm. am I part of the problem? Maybe. <laughs> but again, it's also showing like what I was saying about things not being perfect and being that place in history. It does give you a like a not a chart, but it shows you how far we've traveled in terms of cinema and acceptance and embracing culture, which yeah. is nice. And there's certain films that you look at and you just like they will never get fucking made in this day and age. And there's nah, a man. good reason for them. Like we watched it. It's kind of a western, but it's not the best little whorehouse in Texas. No. <laughs> with Dolly Parton and Burt Reynolds. <laughs> Title alone. Yeah, it's, it's, a, like, it's a musical about how good prostitution is. It's a living. <laughs> and it's, it's, <laughs> it's so accepted in this town that the football team win the big game and they get to go to the brothel for free. <laughs> and the sheriff's banging like the head prostitute. Yeah. <laughs> and it, oh. it was made in like the 80s. <laughs> and you're like, that would never get fucking made in this. It's time. a different time. It's like... Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's like, oh yeah. There's a, you watch some stuff, and like, what was probably perceived as quite innocent and maybe funny at the mm-hmm. time. You like, you watch it then, and you're like, ooh, yeah, Aristocats. Ooh. Oh, never seen Aristocrats. Yeah, Arist- Aristocats. But yeah, the, the uh, Siamese. That, yeah, like, it's yeah, all the Siamese cats. Incredibly yeah. racist. And that's a... and, um, the, <laughs> I watched this film called Drive, not the Nicholas Wyndham Refn one. Mm. Um, it's. I was gonna WhatsApp you all about it because like, it's actually insane. It was made in 1997, mm. and just stuff that you wanna happen happens in it, and it's it's so weird to watch because like ju- it just absolutely falls to the wall. Like 90s action buddy cop film. Mm. It's got um, is his name Mark Dukakis? That rings a bell, but I'm not he's sure. In, um, he's in John Wick 3 as the uh, head assassin guy. And he's the, like a John Wick fanboy. The Asian dude? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure what his name is. Um, It's got him in, in it as the, um, the protagonist. Mm. I only found out about it the other day, but I was like, I need to watch this film. <laughs> he's got a cybernetic heart. Yeah. And and he's being hunted by like the corporation. Already in. And he takes this... Um, down and out um, songwriter as as a hostage <clears throat> and they're, they're, they're the two like buddies so it's like I think it's like a rush hour before a rush hour really. Oh really? That's interesting. Yeah. Um, but there was a I, I won't spoil any of it at all because like it's it's like going back to D&D it's like I was playing D&D and then you saying something absolutely insane and me going <laughs> you can do that and but it's on it's on film it's on film it's not put someone put money behind it yeah it's on film it's great it's like properly recommended drive 1970 not like yeah 
1997. What am I chatting about? Um, but it's there was a going back to being problematic. There was a bit at the end. He's being chased by this like redneck hitman. Mm. He goes around with tiny glasses and a big cowboy hat. He speaks like <laughs> proper thick southern. Mm. He pulls out this whip at the end. And as he, he starts strangling the down and out singer character <laughs> who's black, he starts whipping him. Oh, Jesus Christ. Him. I mean, he gets out of it, but and then he's like, never pull a whip on a black man again. <laughs> Which, <laughs> fucking hell. I know, and when he started, like, I thought they weren't going to address it. I was like, shit, like, this has just ruined the film for me. But, like, the fact he kind of addressed it, and the yeah. cast is, like, diverse mm. for 1997. Mm. Got the date right that time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was like, 90s were a different time. Yeah. But it's uh, it's, it's hard, man, because it's you've got like problematic stuff like that, but then it's they're addressing it, so they're highlighting it. And if it yeah. leads to a conversation, then I think it's not necessarily okay, but I think it's needed because that's what yeah. art's meant to do. It's meant to question things. And that's I mean, really interesting. I mean, no, I, I, <laughs> I mean, again, this is why this movie is insane. He didn't need to part away. No, he didn't. He just had, he just had a fight on motorcycles yeah um yeah i need to like go that, that extra mile thing, you need to look into who wrote the fucking thing and what their intent yeah it's like, it was and stuff it's a weird one it's like green book and like you see that one oscars for whatever mm. it's just a panel of white men yeah and i still haven't seen that film but i, don't I haven't think seen want to. no um but it, it was james wang directed it i think mm. I think he's Asian. Mm. So, don't know if that makes that okay or not. I'm not the best person to be speaking like speaking to this stuff about being a white straight male. So no, but I think raising it without any ill intent is important because then that can actually lead to someone either correcting it. Because if I say something stupid, I'd rather be corrected than carry on in my ignorance. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So I think as like raising a question is an important thing to do and be like, is that okay? Is that problematic? Why is that? Why was that okay back then? And why do we mm. have, and that conversation I think is really important because there's a lot of topics that you talk about or you want to talk about that get shut down instantly. Yeah. And that I think is one of the most dangerous things for becoming mm. accepting of people. Because yeah. if you shut down that conversation on the first trigger word, and I'm not saying to obviously use trigger words or slurs or anything that would like offend someone. Yeah. But to talk about those topics calmly, rationally, and sincerely, I think is really and with, important. with an open mind as well. Yeah, with an open mind. Like, like you said, you've got to be humble enough to be like, oh, that was really shitty of me, but I didn't yeah. know. Yeah. And I'll be better. Yeah, that's the thing. It's you, like to be better, and you have to have those conversations to be better. You have to question everything, I think. And you have to definitely, question. man. And not only do you have to question everything, you have to ask the right people the questions. Yeah. Because so there's no no point asking me. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah I, I don't fucking yeah. know anything. So it's important, it'd be important <laughs> to then ask the writer of that scene. Yeah. It'd be important to ask the actor how they felt during that scene. Yeah. Both of the actors. It's a really interesting thing. That's why I think like 
like when the Django Unchained film came out, there's controversy around that. Mm. That was really important to then ask the actors who were involved in that. Because obviously yeah. that can only speak from their personal experience, but other people who've watched the film and could get offended by it. Well, yeah. then that's important because no one's opinion is invalid and no one's opinion is righter than the others. It's just if you talk to enough people, you'll get a better understanding of it and make your yeah. own decision. That's it. It's just about, about being more informed. Yeah, being more like informed that. and less of an asshole. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's the same philosophy as like, you know, creating stuff, going back to, to that. Because, you know, you can't, you can't create something out of nothing. You've got to yeah. take those yeah. influences and other like points of view and stuff and, you know, yeah. form your own thing on it. Yeah, and that's the most important thing is to create your own voice and to create something that you'll stand by because that's all you can do at the end of the day. That's it, yeah. Yeah, but I think I've let you, like, I've kidnapped you long enough on Zoom for now. I know, let me out the proverbial van. I'll let you out the van now. And I say I'm going to let you out the van. I'm probably going to talk to you for the rest of the day anyway because you're one of my best that's, friends. That, that's fine, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so, so much for fun. doing no, this, thanks, dude. Thanks for, um, thanks for having me. It was, uh, yeah. it was fun. And I'll definitely, we should, we'll need to do one if Thought Bubble goes ahead in September, we'll have to do one then as like a bit of a con breakdown. Yeah, I think um, I think it's been cancelled this year. Has it been? I haven't seen anything yet, but I don't know if I've just not seen it. Yeah, um, and, and it was it was no, it was no it was November anyway. Yeah, it was year. November. But I think as a precautionary thing, I think they've just decided to really. I don't know. Yeah, but you know, um, have we got time for? It? Shall I Google it that quick? I'm just about to see if I can thought. It's a shame, but do you know I don't see when this is actually gonna end, to be honest. So who who knows, man? But uh, it's still saying on the banner that they're yeah, yeah. in November. Yeah, it doesn't say anything. We'll see, but we'll be doing a con breakdown then. I'm gonna try and get some comic book creators. Yeah, I think we're um we're having a break from tabling, aren't we, for now? Yeah. Until we There's get no more point. stuff. But, uh, yeah. I know. But, you know, we, we, we prefer going as fans anyway. We normally... That's, in, every, the, uh... in every medium, I'm a fan first. So it'll be more expensive to go to a Comic-Con as a fan. But I know, because any little money we do earn just goes straight <laughs> back on like buying someone else's stuff. So. Yeah, exactly. There's only one fiver in the whole of the indie comic scene, and it just gets passed around to who has that fiver. <laughs> whoever has that fiver doesn't get to launch a Kickstarter that month. Yeah, they're the winner. <laughs> they are the winner. <laughs> All right, man. I'm going to catch you in a bit. All right, nice words. speaking to you. I'll speak to you soon. Bye. 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 And there we have it. Episode four of Into the Van, Into the Bag. Thank you so much to John for talking to me. If you want to check out John's work and also my work, head over to coglifecomics.com or find us on Facebook at Coglife Comics or on Twitter and Instagram and all that good shit. And you can see for yourself the things we have made. I'm really proud of what we've achieved with our comics and all the connections we made and the friends we've made. And long may it continue. I'm so excited to see John's finished book. I know it's going to be awesome. I know it's going to be poignant. I know it's going to be well done. And I'm so proud of everything that he's done so far. And I'm proud to call him a friend. I really hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I think we touched on a wide topic of things. And, you know, we aren't a voice of authority or any true definition. We don't really know all the answers. We just know what our questions are. And I think most people are like that. So if we've said anything 
that you have a counterpoint to or you have a perspective on or you have an opinion on, please let me know. You can email me at mike333west at outlook.com. You can leave a comment on wherever you listen to this podcast. Hit me up on my Facebook page because, as I said in the podcast, it is always important to have a calm and rational discussion and learn a few things about some other people, maybe get a new perspective, and most importantly, get some information and be less of an asshole. And that's something I always try and do, and I hope you do it as well. So thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks so much to John. Take care, guys.